um, had a couple of weeks break there. Um, as people may know, follow me on Instagram. Uh, I've moved to Singapore, so I was just taking a couple of weeks to get acclimatized to the uh, new environment. And uh, yeah, I'm back to it now. And I'm joined with Stephen. How are you? Very well, but as you kind of found that funny that we were like, took a couple of weeks off, you know. Most people would be like, oh, I just needed a break. That's <laughs> something to do. No, I moved to Singapore. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's not something that most people hear nowadays, is it? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I'm doing well if I get to the shops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Stephen, do you want to introduce yourself for everyone who obviously doesn't know you or doesn't follow you? Cool. Yeah, I always, always, and I know this is going to sound like repetition. I hate doing these bits, these little bits here because it's like you're trying to sell yourself. It's like take me out or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no likey, no lady. Um, so I'm uh, nearly 30. I'm a member of the Guards here in Galway. Um, when I was 20, I got cancer, testicular cancer. Um, I suppose I joined the Guards when I was 25. And in around 27... 28, I got quite heavy. Um, it was like 24 and a half, 25 stone. Um, and it was just a, a really unflattering picture that made me see it. You know, I hadn't really copped. And um, teamed up with a mate of mine, Paul Dormady, who's effectively your neighbor now because he's in Vietnam. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and we, we just started working on it. And for the last two years, I've just I've been kind of on a, a bit of a weight loss growth journey, I suppose. Cool. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, the reason why I wanted to get you on to the podcast is because um, whenever I came across your Instagram page, I seen that um, in your bio it says you're a cancer survivor. And um, I thought it'd be really um, good to talk about um, what sort of led you to um, to get into like sort of a darkest part of your um, of your life. But then you see this other side where you're coming out very, very strong and there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel, which is great. Um, I actually didn't know that you were in the guards. Uh, hide the weed. I'm only joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's crazy. So have you been in the guards your whole life? I've been in the guards for uh, five years. Five, five years. years. Right, okay. So cool. yeah, so it was after everything else. Right. And uh, you said you're 30 years old and you got testicular uh, testicular cancer whenever you were 20 yeah okay so it was um it was the strangest experience of my life Mm -hmm. i can i don't think anything had ever top it yeah i was just i was at work and i wasn't feeling i was at i was a bouncer at the time right and i was working alone and i just it was a monday night or i could choose and it was just pissing rain and there was nobody in the pub Mm. And I was just feeling really sick, like I, I had this really weird pain in my groin, but I didn't know what it was. I couldn't, I didn't know if it was a hernia or what the fuck. It was like, did you ever get those headaches where it's just like throbbing, but it's just taking up your whole head? Yeah. And I, I did the Irish thing. I texted the mammy and I went, geez, I don't feel great. <laughs> and she goes, look, you're, you're in town. Go to A&E. You know, yeah. if you're not going to be able to sleep, go to A&E. We have a history of like hernias and stuff in the family. Mm. And I would have been playing rugby and lifting weights at the time. So I would have, you know, it was foreseeable that I could have got a hernia. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I went in and pretty much straight away the doctor was like, yeah, you don't have a hernia. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Shit. Um, in fairness, I was really lucky. I had a really good young doctor. Um, 
used to crack jokes, used to say shit like, yeah, yeah, it's cold in here, isn't it? <laughs> like, <"Fuck> you. <laughs> that makes it, so, uh, that makes yeah, it better. Look, I was in hospital, I was in hospital five days. Yeah. And on the third day, they told me, you know, you had three options. It could have been an infection. It could have been like a twist in a tube. Uh, it's neither of those things. So they kind of went roundabout on it at first. And then he just goes, you, you have to, you have to stick to your cancer. And it was just like the weirdest, this happens to other people moments yeah. of my life, you know. Um, had a lot of scans, had a lot of checks for seven years. And after that, then they, they told me, it was two years ago, they told me, you're no more like at risk than anybody else now. That was, that was nice. That's insane. So, like, whenever the doctor first said to you um, that you had it, like, what happened? Like, did you, like, sort of like see your life uh, your life flash before your eyes or were you like sort of just like in denial or uh, I, yeah I got lightheaded really I, got, I legitimately got lightheaded I nearly passed out fuck me um, I remember he, he looked at me and you know in the movies when like they zone out yeah and you could hear like a background noise but you don't know what's being said mm. that's what happened I swear to you, it sounds so fuck. corny but he was talking but after he said you have cancer I couldn't hear anything else after it Mm. And I was just kind of standing there and he looked at me and like I could see him staring straight at me. But please don't fall over because I'll never be able to pick you up. <laughs> and I was like, nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it, it was strange, you know, cause like I, he told me that I went back to my bed and I'm sitting on the bed there and I was like Googling mortality rates and Googling mm. stuff that can go wrong in surgery and Googling, you know, life expectancy after these things. Like that's, twenty. Yeah. Uh, that's fucking crazy. Um whenever you mentioned that part where like you get told that you've got it and then you zone out, um the image that came into my head was have you seen Breaking Bad? Yeah. Yeah, so whenever no, you'd be surprised. I've okay. asked some people before have they watched Breaking Bad and they're like, Nope. And I'm just like, What? Like that's that's the that doesn't sit well with me. But uh there's yeah, so many stubborn people out there where there's like a series and they're like, I'm not watching it because I'm cool and I'm a hipster. I'm not going to fucking on and watch the things that everybody else is watching. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's a good show. Watch it. Yeah, exactly. It's like Game of Thrones. Loads of people have this big thing against watching Game of Thrones. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like one of the best series ever. You haven't seen it? I have watched oh! it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a <cunt>. <laughs> I didn't watch it through... Like, I made it like a mathematical decision because one of the lads was like, there's only six series and they're now reach and there's whatever amount of episodes. I was like, I am not spending that much time on a binge. I was like, that is going to take this much time. Well, do you know what? You have just saved yourself question your sexuality because after watching it, after watching so many gay sex scenes, I had to question my own sexuality. I'm a big fan of the mountain. I know he's in it. <laughs> yeah, he's in it. Uh, yeah, he's they good. call him the mountain in, in Game of Thrones, don't they? Paul Johnson. Yeah, the mountain, he's yeah. Huge. He's fucking he's a, massive. He's a monster. I've seen him. Yeah. I've seen him live. Oh really? Uh, Europe's Europe's strongest man. That dude is huge. Wow! Fucking hell! That's class. So what was he? Did yeah, you like a, get up per, like close and personal with him, or was it just like from a distance? He, he was say so. We would have been maybe fifteen rows of like it was like you know stadium seating. So it's like loads of flat rows, and then it starts to go up. Yeah. So we would have been flat, and then he is just. You're looking at this dude and you're going, how can any one person be that big? I know. Like, I've seen very tall people, but yeah. they're quite, you know, narrow or they're not big. Yeah. This dude is like as wide as a house. 
crazy. Yeah, but isn't it like I always my first thought? I don't know if I'm just a weirdo, but my first thought always goes to the mother. I'm like, how the fuck did she squeeze that out? Yeah, well, of course, but like, but it's got to be a big baby. I, I, personally, I'll always go, how the fuck do you get clothes? I know he probably gets them pretty handy, but yeah. I'd be like, fuck that. Imagine being seven foot tall and 200 <laughs> odd kilos. Fucking hell. Yeah, screw that. That is crazy. Yeah, he's a big guy, like very big guy. There's actually a brilliant scene at the end of Game of Thrones. You're probably not going to watch it. Uh him him and his brother in it his brother's called uh the hound and uh they have this big massive fight scene and it is fucking it's incredible it is so like it's just what you were waiting for towards the end of the series and so it finished it off quite well which was good i may have to try and google this or youtube this yeah, just use YouTube, YouTube that bit if you don't want to watch the whole thing. But coming back to the uh, to the Breaking Bad thing, the Walter White, that's what happens to him as well. He, yeah. once he gets told, like that noise, it's just like white noise, like background, yeah. and that's insane. Like I've never uh, spoken to anyone about cancer before, um, and whenever you said that, I was like, the first thing, whenever you said that, oh, it's like it's in the movies and all, That's what that's what you think, isn't it? I swear to God, and everybody, like, a lot of people have gone to me after, but that didn't happen. I'm like, you can't say that. Mm, exactly. It's, like, it's just, it's like your mind just goes into overdrive. Mm. And there is so much going through your head at that time that everything externally is just, like, pff, gone. Not mm. listening to it. Um, but then, like, I could just see him staring at me. And I kind of zoned back in, and he goes, just don't, please don't fall over. He goes, because if you do, I'll never pick you up. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and I like you. I like you. <laughs> but that uh, that kind of makes it easier, doesn't it? Whenever you have someone who has a bit of sense of humor during those dark times, it made it a lot easier. And mm. I, I've said it umpteen times. I, I was so grateful for the medical team I had because a lot of them were quite young. Yeah. And that that doctor in particular, he was pretty young. I'm not saying that older doctors don't empathize and everything like that. They do, but they've been around the block a lot longer. Yeah. And the fact that. This doctor was close enough to my age, you know, relatively speaking. Yeah. I, I think it just really did help. He was just really nice. Yeah. And so after you came out of the room, you said you went onto your phone and you were just Googling loads of different shit. Like, yeah. I just can't imagine what, like, like, what were you seeing? What were you, like, hoping for? Oh, that would be okay. Hmm. Um, I suppose I was just sitting there and I was looking at Wikipedia and Google articles and all these different things about, you know, everything from the positive stuff that, you know, mortality rates from testicular cancer are quite low mm-hmm. to absolutely horrendous stuff about surgeries that went completely fucking wrong and people bled out and died. Fuck. You know, and you're like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> there's a middle ground. Yeah, that's, that's not good. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I'm trying to think of like words to say because like it's it's very uh, it's it's so fucked, um, especially testicular cancer. I can't even say the word. Uh, I'm just going to say testy cancer. And uh, <laughs> uh, so whenever you came out of the hospital, who was the first person you went to and told? Uh, they kept me in. Oh, okay. they actually kept me in. So I had been I had been kept in from Monday night. After work, they, they wouldn't let me go because there was so much testing to do. And then, I think it was Wednesday, 
might have been Thursday, they actually figured out it was actually cancer. Mm-hmm. So my dad had just been in hospital with me, and he'd just left to go to Tesco. Oh, wow. And I had to ring him and tell him, and I actually couldn't. So I rang him when I told him to come back. I couldn't tell him why, but he figured it out, kind of reading between the lines. Yeah. They knew we were waiting for some of those things. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, that was telling him, or, well, I didn't really have to tell him he coughed, but telling him was yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, I could imagine. That would be horrible. Um, so they kept you in, and what, did they just do, like, loads of uh, loads of scans and stuff like that there and see how bad it was? Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. So, like, I suppose it was kind of like a pyramid. So they didn't know what it was at first, so there was, like, this big base of what it could be. So they did one round of tests, and then they narrowed it down to, like, a slightly less amount of things it could be, and bit by bit then, um, between... So CT scans, MRI scans, um, bloods, everything like that. Mm-hmm. They narrowed it down. They knew pretty much the doctor told me after. They knew after my bloods that was bad. Mm. Um, because I'm going to make, I'm going to butch to this. There's a thing in your blood called amaphetamine protein, AFP. Okay. It fights illness or fights basically badness in your body. Right. I think he was saying like general levels are zero to 15, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mine was like 257. Oh, wow. And he goes, it was through the roof. Your body was like trying to fight, fucking load the shit off. I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, yeah, that's when we knew you didn't just have an infection. I was like, oh, okay. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> that's crazy. And like, the thought that's going through my head, because like, you probably know yourself, like a lot of guys, like whenever they get pain, they just shake it off, don't they? And they're, they don't want to go to the yeah. doctor. So like... What was, like, the actual, like, you said it was, like, a throbbing, but, like, was it unbearable? Like, could you not walk or anything? Yeah, so I started work at nine, and it was sore, and I finished at midnight, and it was unbearable. Mm. Um, so I was leaning against the door, so say, without getting really graphic, it was my right side. So I was leaning on the door on my left shoulder, mm-hmm. and I was just trying to take as much pressure off my right side as I could. Yeah, and I had like beads of sweat just on my forehead. I was fu- by by midnight. I was completely fucked. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, and I just I remember because we you know the I don't know if you ever watched in a bar, but there's like big bottle bins, mm-hmm. they're like big massive plastic bins with wheels on them. Yeah, and like bar I worked in was quite busy, so like the bouncer had to bring these out, mm-hmm. and I had to try and carry this thing. And I was like, I can't. I physically can't. <laughs> I knew I was complete. There was something really wrong with me. And um, I think that's why you, you kind of touched on it there, the stubborn male, you know, I'm not going to get this checked out, it'll be grand. Yeah. That was a huge reason as to why I decided to talk about it so much. Yeah. Because uh, I remember after the surgery, I think the mom told me, she was like, you don't have to tell people. People mm-hmm. don't have to know because in fairness, it was effectively the same surgery as a hernia. Mm. Um, I suppose on the surface, literally. Um, but... Not that I go around flashing my groin all that often. Um, <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> you know, people people don't have to know. And I was like, yeah. yeah, but I think people might, it might be beneficial. And not saying that it's not a good thing we hear a lot about, say, breast cancer, prostate cancer, you know. And for me, I was, I'm was i so big into sports. I knew everything about, say, Lance Armstrong and his cancers. Mm. I think subconsciously, I knew testicular cancer was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was some of the reason I went to the hospital that night. Right. Um, it's just a theory I've always held that I think in the back of my mind I knew it was a possibility. I didn't want it to be. Yeah. But I knew it was. Um, 
if I made a decision to, to try and talk about it and to, to get involved with, you know, Cancer Care West and the Irish Cancer Society and pretty much fucking anybody that'll listen <laughs> when it comes to cancer because I'm like, if one person, I, I basically hold the same thing with Instagram. If, if I post something, if I put something out there and one person benefits from it, I don't give a shit if there's a million likes on it or a million views on it. Yeah. But if one person gets a benefit out of it, then it makes sense to put it out there. And it's the same thing with all the cancer stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, what you just said there, it hits a nail right on the head. Like, guys, they're very stubborn. Um, they don't think that sort of stuff happens to young people. They always think, oh, it's just like an older thing. Um, so by you going about and talking about it and educating people on it, especially like younger people, um, I think it really will like benefit a lot of younger um people and just to like take care of themselves and get those checkups. Um, with the uh, with the checkups, don't they recommend twenty five years old? Well, it's it it is the most prominent cancer in young men. So, like you're talking from, I think a lot of the things are seventeen, but it's usually like fifteen to thirty is the the, the range they give. Mm, okay. Like it's it's the most common one in that age group. Um, I think by quite some distance. But yeah, I mean, it can come at any stage. This is the thing. Like, I mean, it's one thing I don't like when they start putting age brackets on things. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason you can't get sick or cancer at forty. Yeah. There's no reason you can't get it, unfortunately, at 15 or 10. Like, you know, it's it just it's the growth of cells that happens. Yeah. I mean, and just you were saying there, you know, the lads thing, it have to be grand. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have this horrible thing of just pushing it down the line a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was told by doctors, in hindsight, so my birthday is in January. This happened in August. No, it didn't. It happened in September, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was told by doctors, in hindsight, it was a really rapid growth. So it was mm. a specific type of, not not cancer, but it was a specific type of cellular growth. Right. It grew really fast, really, really fast. Um, I might not have made my 21st birthday, which was only like five months. Yeah. I was like, shit. That was the real, oh, fuck moment. Yeah. You know, because I was like, that, well, that would have been bad. It would be an understatement. But yeah, like it shows you how quickly, you know, and they were saying, with cancer, with growth like that, it goes numb. Mm. So you think, ah, oh, it's okay. Yeah. And that's when it's at its most dangerous. I was like, shit. I yeah. Like, that would have been. That would have been a donor. Yeah, definitely. It's a. Uh, it's just weird, like you said about the age bracket things as well. Like doctors and like um, WHO and stuff like that. Like all these experts, they all give these age brackets, but it can happen to anyone. And like. It's like with uh, cervical cancer as well. Like I think the girls aren't allowed to get checked up in the UK or Ireland until they're over the age of twenty five or something like that. I'm just like, but there's people who've been dying um, who are younger than that. So why are you win- letting these people wait until they're age twenty five? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I know there's probably a hell of a lot of people paid a lot more money than I am that know a lot more about it. But it's like. I suppose they probably work common out like what what one's the most common. But like you said, there's no reason this can't happen to somebody who's younger or older. You know, there's no reason. Now I know it'd be quite uncommon for a young person to see a young fella to get the prostate cancer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the scientific reasons, the biological reasons are behind that or how it happens. But there's no reason that a 40 or 50 year old can't get cervical cancer. There's no reason that a 20 year old can't get cervical cancer. Like. 
again, like I said, there's doctors that are paid a shitload more than I am to figure this <laughs> yeah. shit out. But. Um, so you said that there's been a history of hernia in your family. So uh, did the doctors like say that that's contributed to it, or what sort of? How did it come about? Yeah. Yeah, I asked this question a lot because I would have, you know, I would have done the thing. I had my phone in my pocket. I would have my laptop on my lap. <laughs> and the doctor was like, no, I, I had a, had a really good oncologist. Um, Dr. Donald Gaw, he's a really, really good oncologist, cancer doctor. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I was like, does this contribute? He goes, do you literally sit there with it on your, you know, lad every single day for 24 hours a day? And I was like, no, he goes, it's not the cause. He goes, it's just cellular growth. And like, I have a, I have like a scarring thing. Uh, it's hard. I can't even think of the word now. I scar outwards. And that's because of cellular growth as well. <laughs> so like some people obviously just have different types of cellular growth that they, yeah. they might contribute. Like in my case, my cells grew extremely quickly. Yeah. Which in this case was a negative because the cancerous cells grew extremely quickly. Mm. Um, I asked them both, you know, phones, laptops, all these other things you hear, bacon. He's like, no, no. He goes, these things get kind of proven and then disproven and then reproven and disproven. He's like, we can't really nail it down exactly as to what causes. Yeah. No, but that's, uh, it, it It just makes you think. Like, I don't have my laptop on my, uh, on my lap all the time, but my phone is constantly in that front pocket. But, like, it's only, like, whenever, like, I'll walk about. So, like, it's not, like, for 24 hours. It's probably, like, if say like I'm going out on a night out, like the most is what, like maybe six or eight hours or something like that, and then you just take it out of your pocket and you put it to the side again. Um, but it does make you yeah, it's, like it's weird on like yeah, it's it's so weird. Like it makes you it's very like paranoia, isn't it? Really, like you get a lot like very paranoid about it. Um, yeah, I became hyper aware after I suppose. Yeah, but, like yeah, aware. Yeah, you can you can go into like YouTube loopholes or rabbit holes, whatever the fuck it's called. We were sitting there for hours watching like almost propaganda videos of you know five G signals and all these things. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> yeah, fucking, you'll be going into flatter theory as well. Uh, <laughs> oh god, like, yeah, exactly. You didn't go to Singapore. You fell out the edge of the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just fell off. Um, so the surgery then, um, what did it? entail did they go in and take all those cells out did they remove anything sort of how what happened there yeah the young doctor described it as fishing <laughs> he goes they basically had to uh so exact same quote as a hernia and they found the so i suppose without getting too in depth on it it was just one t- uh, testicle okay so it was growing on or in one of the testicles i can't remember exactly but they said look you can cut it and remove some, but there's always a chance you miss something. Mm. And you have to go again, or if you miss it, that next time could be worse. So what they said was, we can take the entire testicle. Mm-hmm. And that's that's like a guaranteed way of making sure that no one gets left behind. I was like, okay, well, like, you know, you're the doctor. Like, you know, without a phony on it, like, they obviously knew significantly more than I did. Yeah. And it was just a case of the doctor, the young doctor called it fishing. He goes, it's literally an incision. Because they find the tube and they basically just go and they like hold it up <laughs> and get it out. Um, it wasn't that bad of surgery. Um, yeah. I was able to walk out of the hospital two days after. Oh, like, wow. The only thing was there was a shitload of stitching. 
Like mm. obviously, there was a lot of internal cuts. There was a load of internal stitching. Yeah. Um, but I walked out of the hospital not very far. The car was parked pretty close, but yeah. Um, I was back. I was back running ten weeks after. Fucking hell, that's so brilliant. Back rugby, like uh, yeah, I was back playing rugby like three months after, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had to go back. I had to get bloods done every two weeks for a year. Mm-hmm. I had to get a CT scan or an MRI every month for a year, <laughs> and then it gradually got you know further and further spaced out. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was fucking able to walk around the hospital blindfolded at one stage. <laughs> that is insane. So you've just got obviously like you see that with like uh, breast cancer people as well. Like they just get they just remove the whole thing because they obviously don't want the chance of it growing back and stuff like that. There, so yeah. Um, it takes, um, I was going to say something so inappropriate, I was going to say it takes a lot of balls to do that. Yeah, balls. It take- <laughs> yeah. I can see, I can see your face, I can see the hamster kind of rolling around the wheel, I was like, he's going to say it. I was like, I was shit, like, you've probably got that a lot, haven't you? I've got a lot worse. <laughs> a lot worse. Um, that's just what, guys are just so fucking stupid. Um, but yeah, it takes a lot of guts to do that, like, if you're in that situation, it's fucking, it's kind of like the movie Saw, isn't it? It's like, Either you're going to get out of here or you're not. You need to get. You just need to cut the fuck out the fucking thing off. Um, wow, fair play to you, man. That's amazing. Um, that story. And within what two days you were able to get out of the hospital and ten weeks back to sport. Like, that's amazing. Um, it was. Uh, yeah, look, it was. It, it was what it was. I didn't say I was back playing sports with a good level or anything. I just said I was back playing. But <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good to just get back and. <laughs> Everybody was great after, you know, the yeah. rugby club was great after, my local GA club was great after, everybody was great after, it was, it, it really was surreal. I, I do wish, I've said it before, that um, people could live their life through the lens of somebody who's been told they have cancer, yeah. without ever having to actually experience it. I mean, you, you very swiftly become aware of what's actually important. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of shit ceased to be important to me. You know that week, mm-hmm. it seems to be important. Seems to be as important. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Yeah. It does change. I grew up a lot of twenty because of. Yeah. Fuck. I can imagine. Yeah. You would mature quite a lot. Um. Just one last question about the cancer. Um. Did they say to you, um, like risks whenever you were going in for surgery, like you may not be able, like your chance of having children might be lower, anything like that there? Not with the surgery, no. Um, so effectively, one testicle can actually do the same. It can produce the same amount of oh, okay. testosterone and everything like that at, at two. Brilliant. Um, so basically, it basically picks up the burden. Um, you obviously have to do that whole, you know, you sign the thing, you say that anything can happen during surgery. Yeah. But like that only becomes relevant when the risks of not having the surgery mm. are so much higher than the actual surgery itself. Yeah. But like, if I got the surgery, well, this could possibly happen. If you don't get the surgery, you're, you're going to keep getting cancer and you're going to die. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, okay. And I know which one wins here. Um, <laughs> what did, what they did say, funny enough, was they offered me a, um, like a prosthetic. A prosthetic? Um, wow. Yeah, quite, quite a bit down the, quite a bit down the line. They said, this is an option if you want it. But it's extremely dangerous. Mm. I was like, well, and he goes, well, anytime you put a foreign metal into your body, it can infect. Mm. And he goes, if it affects there, you're going to be sterile. I was like, 
I'm good. Yeah. Good keep your keep your metal nut. <laughs> yeah. <Wait a> <laughs> It would make airport security really awkward. <laughs> yeah, when something else, you'd be like, on yourself, you'd be like, yeah, I've kind of got something metal in my bag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... It would be awkward if I go to like go to Spain or go to Poland somewhere where they may not have great English and be like, sir, what's in your pants? <laughs> Let me tell you a story. That's hilarious. It's good that you have a good humor about this uh, sort of stuff. It makes it easier to talk about. Absolutely. I think if you go too technical and too monotone about it, the lads particularly will stop listening. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I, I had a thing last year where I was just play with your balls. That was it. That was the hashtag I used every time I do anything in terms of uh, cancer <laughs> or, you know, get to grips with your balls. And I'd be there like holding a basketball or something. I'm like, you know, <laughs> but lads, lads got it and lads remembered it and it was important. It was, yeah. It, it fucking is important. Yeah, exactly. Nah, mate, fucking fair play to you. Um, that's a really amazing story. Okay. Uh, second part I wanted to talk about in the podcast was obviously this uh, weight loss journey that you're on. So, you said at a stage you're at 25 stone, is that correct? About that, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was over 24 and a half, touching on 25, yeah. And um, what's that converted to kilograms, do you know? like 156 fuck that's big yeah yeah that's big um um what age were you whenever you hit that peak i was i would have been 27 nearly 28 27 28 so yes i say 27 so i was i was heavy yeah and were you always were you always that size like growing up or i was always big um, like I would never have been a, a central midfielder or anything like that. I always would have been a full forward because I wasn't able to run that far. Yeah. Um, you know, hoofed in. I was fucking six foot tall. And I was like fourteen, fifteen. So I was tall. <laughs> um, I, I would have got quite fit. Funny enough, right around the time I had cancer, I was actually really fit. Right. Okay. Um, I would have been playing a pretty good standard of underage rugby. Would have been training quite a bit. Um, playing GA. Yeah. Um, but then. I kind of gained a bit of weight, and then when I joined the guards, my routine, like life, turned upside down. Really, you know, mm. I was in shift work. I was working hours that I wasn't used to. Yeah. I was in a, a work pattern that I wasn't used to. So it took me a long time to get used to it. Okay. And as a result, I, I developed a lot of bad eating habits. Mm. Um. So whilst I was always quite big, um, like I remember my mother tells the story about when I was like eleven or twelve. I was eleven doing my confirmation. <laughs> She had to get like my shirt or something in the men's section. Oh really? Like, big. Like I was, I was a really broad, built, tall kid. Like wow. Um. So I was like, that explains the dodgy style. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah. I was, I was always. To answer the question in a short sentence, that was always quite big. Right. Jesus Christ, that's crazy. And so, whenever you were twenty-seven, and you obviously were at that peak weight. 150 kilograms 25 stone did you like what made you sort of think shit i need to turn this around picture one picture did it um we were in lanzarote on a family holiday and second last night standing by the pool did the whole 
Uh, everybody gets a group picture of shite, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had just bought a T-shirt that day. I was wearing it. <laughs> and you know when you hold the shutter button and it takes a load of pictures at once? Mm-hmm. So that happened and the first picture was fine because I was like, you know, chest out, shoulders back, <laughs> not breathing. Yeah. And uh, that was okay. I wouldn't say fine, it was okay. And uh, the next thing, with the shorter, you could see it gradually getting worse. Yeah. So I was moving forward, I was slouching, but like I was spinning over the t-shirt. Mm. I was like, I just fucking bought that. Like, how fucking big am I? <laughs> and I was, that was the first time, I suppose I probably buried my head in the sand for quite a while, but that was the first time I saw myself as like really big. Mm. Um, and even now, like I found that t-shirt recently, I was looking for some, I was actually looking for sweaters, like Christmas jumpers. And I found that t-shirt and I kept it. I kept that. I kept like two other bits of clothes that I took pictures of at the time. And I, I just hate, I hate and I love looking back on. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. I was like, it's like a fucking poncho at this stage. <laughs> like, how did that happen? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point now where my quality of life is quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of my day-to-day living, I'm not fucking gassed going up the staircase. Yeah. I can play a little bit of football. I can play rugby. I can go to the gym. I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, how, like, how did I get to that point? Yeah. And it's, it's something that's very hard to put a finger on. Um, I do genuinely think the change of routine with the guards did, didn't help. Yeah. Um, cause you know, I, I basically lived one way up to that. I was in college. I was working, but they were normal jobs. You know, I wasn't working till seven in the morning. Yeah. And I wasn't eating dinner at 3 a.m. You know, like it was, it was all quite strange. Um, but uh, that probably would have been the thing that changed it on me. But yeah, yeah, that Lanzarote picture was, <laughs> it was the thing that changed everything. That's crazy. Just one picture as well. Like it just changes your whole life. That's insane. Um, yeah. Do, do you find that with the guards though? That is there other people that you can sort of see that were on the same path as you? But there is, but there's also a lot of extremely fit people. Mm. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of intercounty footballers and hurlers and stuff there in the guards. Yeah. They find a way to make it happen, you know, and they're at peak levels of fitness. Yeah. So, I think, particularly for me, I probably made an excuse that, you know, the routine was too difficult or I didn't have time to prep because I had to sleep or I didn't have time to go to the gym because I was too tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think... When you don't want to find a way, you'll find an excuse. Yeah, that's true. And for like, for, for a while, I, I went and found excuses because I couldn't be arsed. Yeah. Actually. It was easier to get chips. It was easier to get, you know, like a carry-out hot meal from the Super Value or the Tesco or whatever it was. Yeah. And I, I can't blame the job. Really, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's enough people in the job that work the same hours that are just peak levels of fitness. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that's... Uh... That's true. Whenever like I I started training in MMA last year, and uh, or two years ago, sorry, and I lived far away. I lived about an hour and a half. Well, it took me two hours from my door to get into the gym door, and uh, the training was at like seven o'clock at night. So I would have to leave at five o'clock to get there for seven, and then I would have been coming home. Well, the training would have lasted for like three hours or just before 10 o'clock it would have finished. So I wouldn't be getting home until like midnight. And um, I'd done it for twice a week. And twice a week, I I felt like it was really taking a toll on me. 
And then I was speaking to someone from the gym who said that, yeah, they, they do the exact same, but they're there every single night. And I was just like, fuck, there's really no excuse then. Like, I should be, yeah. I should be doing this. Like, so what if I live two hours away? I just need to sort of keep the motivation going on that journey to and from the gym. Um, so I, I sort of changed it up and then I went every single day, Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday. And, um, I, f- I could just see technique improving so much. I was getting fitter. Um, and then I've had like a lot of visa complications and, um, I quit. And then I noticed myself, like you said, getting into a routine of feeling shit and sorry about myself, fucking eating loads of shitty food. And like you said, it's just easier to, instead of going to the gym for an hour, just, sitting there with a missus having a, a pizza or a, just getting loads of shit food. Like, it's just, like, more confident. And then you have those moments where you, like, look at yourself in the mirror or you may look at yourself in the photo and you're just like, shit, like, I've let myself go a bit. And then you just get straight back into it. Um, I think for me, I've never let it get past the point of control if you know what I mean like so like I'll like have like a couple of weeks where I'll like indulge and everything but then I'll be like right I need to get back into fitness whereas like I've had some mates who they they'll be fit like they would have been fit whenever they were younger and then they just went past that sort of point where it was like no you need to get back into fitness they just went beyond it and kept on in shit shit and then they were just in that routine where they couldn't get out and then once you're in that routine of eating that shit, it's so hard to get out. Like, I know everyone's trying to say, like, oh, weight loss is, it's easy. Like, all these, like, fitness experts and stuff. And it's just like, okay, yeah, it's easy saying you just need to do it. Just do it, like Nike. But, like, whenever you're actually in that situation and you are fat, like, it, it's it's hard. Like, and I can, I can sympathize with people like yourself and some of my friends who have went to that stage. And... Don't know where I'm going on this rant. Uh, <laughs> Martin Martin McDonald actually had came up a couple of weeks ago where he said weight loss is simple, it's not easy. Mm. And I was like, that's good. That's simple a good concept. One. Doesn't inherently mean it's easy. Yeah. I mean, like you said, people get into the routine and they're eating pizzas and they're eating chocolate and they're eating crisps. And like, it's not just a case of flicking the switch. Like it can be. I'm I'm kind of able to do that, but I'm a fucking stubborn bastard. Mm. But. Like, if you're eating those kind of foods, you feel like shit. Yeah. You know, you're, you're like, stodgy and you're full and you're just like, I don't want to do anything. So it's hard to then go, okay, well, I'm feeling like this. I'm going to go for a walk or whatever. But, like, the effects of just, just starting, like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to do the most spectacular fucking things in the world. Mm-hmm. You really don't. You don't have to climb Mount Everest on your first day. <laughs> yeah. Just walk to the shop. Walk mm-hmm. to the shop and get a fucking cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be spectacular to to end up having spectacular results down the line. Yeah, you know, to just do the little things very well day to day, the things that don't affect the quality of your life too much. Yeah, or at all, really. Sometimes, you know, and just if you're consistent with them and if you're disciplined with them, mm-hmm. they'll treat you quite well down the line. You know, yeah. like I I go out for meals the whole time. I love food. Food is one of my favorite things. Nice food. Yeah, and if I was panicked or if I was worried it'd be very easy for me to go to these nicer restaurants and go oh there's a lot of cream in this or 
people sugar on this rule or dessert. I don't think so. Yeah. But that had totally deteriorated the, the quality of my life because that's one of the few things I really like doing. Mm-hmm. I love going for, for nice meals. Yeah. And I think people get very panicked. I, I got panicked at first. I remember the first time I had a real fucking, oh, oh, oh what am I doing? It was like two or three months in. Mm-hmm. And I we were going to the cinema. And I had kind of calculated for the popcorn and the, the Coke Zero and the mince rolls. But then she goes, do you want to get dinner first? And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, but just, he goes, are you going to do it tomorrow? And I was like, well, no. He goes, then just enjoy it today. I was like, I got it. Okay. <laughs> but I had a real panic moment that time. I was like, I'll never forget that. I remember yeah. exactly where we were at the time driving. I was like, oh, fuck, how do I handle this? <laughs> no, it's so true. It's, uh, it's weird whenever you are thinking of like food like, and you see people... Um, I know online you you can't trust anything on social media, but <clears throat> whenever you talk to me. people, <laughs> yeah, you just you tip that screen down and you just got this big belly. <laughs> um, no, like there there's some like fighters in the UFC, like uh, Jorge Masvidal. He eats a shit ton of food, and then whenever it comes to like uh, his fighting camp, he'll just cut all that their body fat, and so you can do it, but like. It's weird whenever you hear of people who who do calculate their food. They're like constantly like, oh, like free menstruals, that's going to get me this amount of calories. Um, yeah, if I have a portion of this here, um, popcorn or crisps, that's going to get me that, blah, blah. Fair enough, that's fine. It may work for some people, but like it's kind of like a sad way to live though as well, isn't it? I don't know if I'd say sad. I calculate. I, I, I count my calories. Um, I'm getting to the point where I can kind of intuitively go at it mm-hmm. um, mostly because I'm quite a boring eater and I eat the same things and just over the course of the last two years I've ate so many times that I know how many calories in them yeah. I'm just one of those odd people that likes to know things yeah. I wreck Paul's head with questions and you know when I go for my walks I like to know I've hit so many steps when yeah. I eat my food out of curiosity and out of maybe a want for a little bit of education and knowledge I like to know what's in them I like to read the back of the box, you know, I like to look at the back of the cornflakes box and see how much shit they added into it. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say sad. I am, I mean, if you're trying to manage a bank account, you keep an eye on it. Mm. You know, if you're trying to manage a, cal- a calorie account or a calorie budget, you should probably keep an eye on it because otherwise you could end up going into a draft. Yeah. If you don't realize you're doing that every day, you're not going to get results. You're going to waste time. Okay. You can get a lot of things back, but you can't get time back. Yeah, true. Um, maybe I should have re- like reworded that. What I meant was like, so obviously, like if you've got a goal, like it's obviously good to count the calories. But for people who don't have a goal and they're just like going about their life, I was like sort of aiming at those types of people. Um, oh yeah, well I mean it's a tool. Yeah, you know, it's like anything. If you have to hammer a nail, a hammer is a pretty good option. <laughs> yeah. You know? If if you have to keep an eye on your calories, my fitness pal is a really good option. Yeah. But if you don't have to hammer a nail, there's no point walking around with a hammer in your pocket. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Fucking hell, we're getting uh, very philosophical here. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know where the fuck that came from. <laughs> You've got a hammer in your pocket, don't you? Yeah. Me and my stainless steel And So, whenever you start this weight loss journey, did you have a goal in mind what you wanted to be like what your 
um, your final weight's going to be? Not exactly. Um, I tried, I know Paul threw out 100 kilos just as a down-the-line number just to have something. But like he said, that's 50 kilos because you have no idea how physically how you look in 50 kilos time, whether you like it. You know, whether you'll be scrawny, he goes, I don't know how you're going to develop in the next, you know, a couple of months, three years. Um, so for me, it was a very simple, I wanted to be able to walk into Elvery's. I wanted to be able to walk into Lifestyle Sports and just get a t-shirt. Yeah. I wasn't able to do that. I wasn't able to just go into these places and buy clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't able to buy pants in normal shops. I had to go to big and tall shops. <laughs> you know, I ripped pants, ripped shirts, I've done everything. And... I just wanted to be able to buy normal clothes. Um, as as it developed, I suppose, as useful as a, a scale was, I became less and less dependent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I suppose the lightest I've been on this journey was about 105 and a half, 106 kilos. That's good. I've been that way twice. And the last time was in a row now. I'm a very different, uh, in a very different physical place now than I was the last time I hit it. Mm. The last time I hit it, I felt quite skinny. Um, I, I wasn't feeling very strong. Whereas mm. this time, I feel like I have more muscle mass on. Okay. Um, and that was just through change in training and stuff, I, I think. Yeah. I don't really know what the fuck happened. Um, <laughs> but I, I've seen the pictures side by side, and I do look quite different. So, like a bathroom scale won't show that. Mm. To know myself and Anthony Joshua, the fucking world heavyweight champion, are roughly the same weight. <laughs> yeah. But Anthony Joshua is in significantly better shape than I am. Yeah. Um. You know, so it's it, it can be a little bit untrue, maybe, or, or maybe it provides a bit of a a smoke screen sometimes to things. Yeah. Like if you jump on the scale after having a Chinese, you're going to be up a couple of kilos because between salt and just high caloric food, mm-hmm. that could that could fuck with your head. Yeah. That's so true. That's no, I still fit into my jerseys. I still fit into my t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. So no, I wear skinny jeans now. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good that's a good positive. Did, so see, whenever like you were, um, I, I've never experienced this. So like, that's why I'm like asking all these uh, different questions. But like, whenever, whenever you were going through the the cut, were you getting like any like sort of like. Was there any like extra skin, like sagginess or anything like that there, or was it? No, it was all still pretty tight. No, I was lo- I, I, I was lucky. I don't know why that didn't happen to me. I've had a lot of people ask me this question, like a lot of messages and stuff on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I avoided it. I don't know what it was. Was the fact that my weight gain was quite slow, and that the skin didn't stretch very fast. I, I really don't understand it. Uh, anyways, as a principle, so I don't know why it didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quite lucky um, because if I think about it. I think that's about 100 pounds. Uh, I don't know how many stone that is. Mm-hmm. But theoretically, it's quite a lot of skin, quite a lot of size. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't end up with that. Now I've got some stretch marks. Um, or somebody called them that. I don't know, tiger stripes. <laughs> nice. Um, but like, not a lot. So I, I, don't, I don't really know. And particularly, that's not that it's a negative or anything like that. That's the only marking that really stays. Um, don't know how I didn't end up with skin to be honest. Mm. That's weird. I've always wanted to know that there because, like, you see some people who have like these like major like weight losses and they just have like yeah. this like they have skin to have, like, surgery and stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, what weight are you sitting at now? Uh, as of this morning, one hundred and six point two. Wow, that's fucking and I good. I had like the biggest bag of Haribo's in the world. Share <laughs> bag. Share. Nice. So. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And uh, like you said, like your like your mental well being and stuff like that. There, like you obviously feel better at this weight. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I I didn't want to attach happiness to, um, you know, a specific number. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not particularly happier at 106 than I was at 110, and I'm not saying that I'd be significantly happier at 100 kilos. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that. Um, I seem to sit this weight quite well. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems to be quite a. It's a weight where I can go about and have a day-to-day life that I enjoy, and yet at the same time have Haribo and have nice dinners and stuff. Yeah. Um, I forgot what the initial question was. I started talking again. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, I was just like saying. You basically answered it. Like the question was just like about your mental like well being. Like at that at this weight that you're at now. Like obviously it's it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's like when I was heavier, my mental well being took an awful hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took it in like little shots over the course of a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I only had this chat recently with Paul where I was like, there was so many little losses in say the, the year that I put on the, the most significant weight. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my favorite t-shirts not fitting anymore. My football jerseys, my rugby jerseys not fitting anymore. Yeah. Um, I played a, a five-a-side tournament with work and I didn't fit into the jersey. Um, you know, ripping pants. Yeah. You know, things like that. And when I started the journey, you know, a lot of people look for the big, fucking the big massive change the big massive picture you just gotta take the little wins you took the little losses for so long yeah. but you gotta take the little wins too along the way because it's the only thing that keeps you sane um, so yeah yeah it's significantly better the fact that I don't have to stop at the top of the staircase <laughs> the bullshit talk because I'm completely out of fucking breath <laughs> that was insane listen um, I think we've really like covered everything at the moment Um what's the situation actually i'll ask you a couple of questions about this because i haven't even been following the news in ireland are you back in lockdown we don't know (laughs) we're we're not officially um but we are anticipating some sort of announcement uh, Ah, today tomorrow um so everything from the uk has been suspended yeah seen that so no flight no, no ferries, and France has done the same. I think Spain has done the same because there's some sort of crazy strain of it in the UK that's just completely fucking running rampant. Yeah. Um. So I think the North are going into lockdown on the 26th. I think it actually think. happened already. Um, uh, have they moved that forward, have they? I think, yeah, I think my girlfriend was saying to me before that uh, they it was scheduled for, for the 26th, but they've, like, close the borders and stuff like that there already and they're yeah. telling people just stay inside now for six weeks which is shit which are like like somebody said last night on the news you know you're not able to fly from London to Dublin but you can go from London to Belfast <laughs> yeah like, that's stupid now you can drive you can drive from Belfast to Dublin it's like there's no sense of this yeah um, yeah we're anticipating because the numbers here are, are spiking again actually quite a lot yeah um, much much higher than they had anticipated. Fucking so crazy. we're anticipating some sort of, I'd say, hospitality is going to take a big kick. Yeah, definitely. Um, they had told us that there was going to be another six weeks in January, but I'd imagine that's going to get 
Yeah. Brought way back, you know. You know, so oh, I, I, yeah, I feel for the hospitality industry, but I just fucking hope the gyms don't close again. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to you. Like, it's obviously it's so fucked up the government back there like it really is like especially around europe because well mostly the uk they're getting a lot of publicity but like in australia as soon as the coronavirus like broke out like really rapidly they just shut everything down straight away for six weeks we were in a lockdown that was it and then they done three phases where they reopened uh shops and cafes and then actual shopping and then the third and final stage was like the gyms and uh and nightclubs and all and cinemas and we probably in lockdown like everything was probably shut down for about i'd say three months and then after that like the coronavirus cases started dropping like rapidly and then there was a couple of uh weeks there where there was just no cases now there is another spike at the moment um but like for that huge amount of time like there were so many lives saved whereas if you look at fucking boris johnson's government in the uk especially this fucking i don't even it doesn't they didn't even know what they were doing they were just fucking everything was still open people didn't treat it serious and that was in like march time like and the coronavirus broke out in november in china so like i just don't understand why these types of governments which you would expect to have their shit known that they've just let it go rampant. It's fucking insane. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not massively political. Um, I try to avoid the news just because I think it's fucking constantly bad news. It's very seldom. Yeah. I know in America they have a policy on uh, network channels of putting like a good news story at the end, like simple shit, like this puppy had fucking or this dog had six puppies, <laughs> and people are like, oh, that's that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But like people, like if the last thing on the news is like a rerun of the headlines and it's going to be about suicide bomber here people killed here people shot here man that shit's tough to handle yeah but yeah i remember seeing it at the time thinking jesus the uk is very uh laxy with this and they were like mm. everybody's just walking around whereas here it was like you can't travel outside your two kilometers mm. uh, no i'm not saying it was the most successful thing in the world but numbers dropped a lot that's good um yeah it just it's paying the whole if the gym's closed to be honest because my gym i can't speak for any other gym but the gym i'm in it's like the cleanest place in the world Really? Everybody sanitizes down, everybody's wiping down, you wear your mask in there, everybody's yeah. conscious of space and stuff. I don't know, I think there's significantly worse things that are affecting it than, than gyms. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a uh there's a gym, uh SBG gym in Port Portlington, I think it's in County Leash. Um and it was on the verge of being shut down because of coronavirus. Loads of people weren't going to it anymore and they lost money and Conor McGregor stepped in and he uh, he is like financing it now. I think it's one of his friends who owns the gym. But that's what I mean. Like okay. loads of these businesses as well like are closing down because the government are shutting down fucking the amount of customers that they can yeah. have. It's uh, It's not good. Yeah. No, and for as much as I read into it, I know that the government here did make an awful lot of allowances for finance for four businesses up until some point next year. So I, oh, that's good. I have to give them a little bit of credit where it's due there. They they did plan until the end of next year to be dealing with coronavirus. That there has been a lot of money set aside for businesses. Oh, well, that's fair. So I have to be fair in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Fucking, like, some people, that's their livelihood. Do you know what I mean? They're not working for these big companies who get paid monthly wage. Like, some people no. work on just like competitive salary so no that's good that the the government are doing that um 
But yeah, anyway, listen, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Um, we'll finish on a lighter note. I really hope that. Yeah, it was it was really uh, interesting to talk about the the cancer stuff. Um, I think for a lot of guys who listen to the podcast, it'll uh, really uh, hit the nail on the head with them. Whenever they got something wrong with them, they may go and uh, get it checked out sooner than uh, later. Um, you're just on Instagram at the moment. Are you on Facebook or YouTube or anything like that? Now, would you believe it? I spoke to a 15-year-old recently, and they told me Facebook was dead. <laughs> oh wow! I asked them what I asked them was it through an event on Facebook, and they went Facebook. Oh, God, that's so dead. And I was like, shit. Like, I'm so fucking old right now. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't use Facebook. Um, I don't yeah, use. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just Instagram. It's just Steve Lightloss on Instagram. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> you know I'm hip and cool with those kids. Yeah, exactly. You have to be hip and cool. Um, no, but listen, Stephen. Thanks very much for uh, coming on and. Uh, yeah, I'll be putting it up this weekend, so I can send you the all the links and stuff like that there, and you could just share it about. But yeah, thanks, man. I won't take up any more of your time. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah.